This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week we're previewing the Alpine and Nordic skiing seasons. We celebrate a pair of NASCAR wins for the basketball teams and look back on a dominating dual meet victory for the swimming and diving program over Middlebury. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. After dropping a road game Tuesday at Brandeis, the men's basketball team won an 81-80 thriller at Wesleyan on Sunday in the first NESCAC game of the season for the Bobcats. The Cardinals converted a four-point play with 11 seconds remaining to take a one-point lead, but Bates had the answer, thanks to senior Cody Greenalch. 80-79. Shot clock off. Greenalch on the drive. All the way to the bucket, gets it to go. 2.3 seconds left. Walker for the win. No, in the Bobcats. Win it late. What a crazy game. The women's basketball team defeated Norwich 58-41 on Wednesday behind a career-high 24 points and 7 steals from sophomore Mia Roy. Roy followed that up with 14 points in a 65-56 win over Wesleyan on Sunday to begin NASCAC play. And Mia Roy is our female Bobcat of the week. I mean, after the break, I just realized, I was like, I just want to start having fun playing again and not stress about, like, my shot, and that's really been helping. So you're a sophomore now, um, being from Bedford, New Hampshire. What made Bates a place for you when you were looking for colleges? Um, I mean, I knew I wanted, like, a good academic school, so I was looking at a bunch of NESCACs, and then... Um, coach actually was just what I remember like the first time I was talking to her she was just like Bates is like a place where you'd have to build a program and that just kind of like click like I was like wow like I really want to be a part of that and then um ever since it's just always kind of been like at the top of my list and then just after the overnight I was like okay yeah I really like it interesting so the chance to build the program up kind of appealed to you it sounds yeah like. yeah I mean it, there's something about like establishing like she was a newer coach and then like um, having seven of us come in and just right. kind of like help like create something. It was, sounded really nice. So. I was going to say this sophomore class. I mean, this is definitely a storyline, right? This is a big group and you're making such a big impact so early in your careers. What's this dynamic like among your fellow sophomores? We always get called, like, oh, we're a young team. And, like, our coaches really, like, talked about, like, yeah, like, so what? Like, you're young. Like, you just, like, have to, like, learn how to mature quickly. And I think that um, this year, like, we've really, like, tried to step into that role. I know, like, a, a lot, like, on the road games last year, they like, they weren't as strong. And this year, um, we just realized, like, we need to start, like, picking it up and, like, gaining more maturity quicker because, like, we are young. Um and I feel like we're starting to do that, so it's great. You touched on the road games. I mean, I get to see the home games, and the, the home games, it seems like the yeah. alumni did just a home court advantage. What is yeah. it about playing there, you think? Um, alumni <laughs> magic, baby. <laughs> I mean, that's what they say. But, no, it's just, like, it's it's so nice to play. Small gym. Like, we always get – we have so many fans, which is, like, really mm. great to see. And um, it's just, like, such a hype environment that, like, how can you not get, like – hyped up for that game right and the fans are right on top yeah, of the action exactly right? yeah. <laughs> touching on the wesleyan game we touched on this after the game but kind of what were some keys to victory you thought against the cardinals for the team because it was obviously a great defensive effort we talked about that yeah um well before the game our coach was saying that we our defensive effort and our offensive rebounds were on the higher side like of the NESCAC comp uh, opponents and so she was like it, you guys need to and, but Wesleyan was also really good at offensive rebounding and so they're like like we need to pick keep that up and I mean that showed and then um holding them to 42 or 42 points before the last like couple minutes it was like a good defensive effort up until then, and so I think that really helped us. Right at that point, kind of the game yeah. was in hand. But yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> wish we kept it lower, but that's okay. In the end, a win's a win, right? Yeah. So, but um, you know, going back to when growing up, when did you start playing basketball? How did you get into the sport? Um, I started. I mean, I played like every sport growing growing up, and then in second grade, I pl started playing basketball, and then I um, 
I played basketball and soccer, and then I realized I was like, okay, like I really want to focus on basketball. My dad um, coached me too, and that was always um, really helpful. Like I always wanted to play well, and um, so that was kind of the start. And then um, yeah, just through high school AAU, like that's just when I started. <laughs> I think I've seen you. Uh, there's other players. I maybe someone on WP. I forget which team. Someone else from Bedford. Right, yeah, right. yeah. Um, our high school team, we yeah. had, like, a ton of good um, players. Like, a bunch of kids went – like, I played ab- against a bunch of kids from my high school team and my AAU team. So, like, a girl on St. Joe's is from my high school. St. Joe's, right. And yeah. WPI okay. as well. <laughs> yeah, you're right, you're right. right. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, so we, we've just, like uh, – basketball has always been, like, a big um, – value like in our high school and so like everyone on our team played on an AAU team and like most kids were looking to play in college so it was just like that dynamic from the start was always really competitive so it was good to be a part of. And then when you got to college last year what were some adjustments you had to make right away or what adjustments are you still making now? Um, Honestly I, I like in high school I always just like played and I think the biggest adjustment was the mental piece now where like I like never really watched film like I knew like players who I've played for a Mm -hmm. while and I know like their tendencies but I never like actually had to like study someone and like especially last year like I I always like went under screens and now I have to like go over them against some people like it's just like changing how you play to be better against your certain opponents like I never had to do before and that was for me probably the biggest adjustment bringing like energy and having like a positive impact like even if like my shot's not falling or something just like having that energy and bringing that energy to other people too. Mm. Like if someone else isn't shooting well, like still try to pick them up. I think like lately we've really been working on like our like team chemistry and just like huddling after every like free throw or like if there's a mistake, like say like that's okay. Like next one, like we got it. Like we just, um, we're just working on like positivity right now and like get it, having each other's backs. Well, it seems like a high energy team, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's what we've been working on. So yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's good that you think that. <laughs> <laughs> that's something to still focus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Academically, what are you kind of studying here? Do you have a major yet or anything like that? <laughs> um, I'm actually like all over the place with that. I know I want to go into like the health field somewhere. So like, I'm in between like bio and psychology right now. I might double major in those, but I really I just like like the body and the mind. So. Anything to do with that. Kind of connects to athletics a little bit. Yeah, yeah. My dad's a personal trainer. So growing up, I've just cared about, like, health and nutrition a lot. So um, anything to do with that, I know I'm interested in. Excellent. Well, any other thoughts on um, your thoughts on the season so far and and goals in your mind for going forward? Um, I mean, our our big team goal is to make it to February 22nd, which is NESCAC playoffs. Um, But I think once we make it to there, then the rest will, like, carry on all right mia roy female bobcat of the week thanks so much Appreciate thank you it. the swimming and diving teams outscored middlebury by a combined 220 points sunday in a dual meet at tarbell pool on the men's side sophomore kyle jorgensen won the 200 yard freestyle leading a one two three four baits sweep in the event jorgensen also took first place in the 200 yard backstroke in what head coach peter casaris called two of the best races we've seen put together this year and kyle jorgensen is our male bobcat of the week yeah i wanted to take it out um at a reasonable pace and then come back fast because i feel like that's the best way um to get the best time uh you want to you don't want to go out um too slow or else you won't have enough energy to bring it back so I decided to just go out at a fast pace and then keep that pace. And then by the fifth lap of each of the races, you know, I just decided to uh, – felt like I had enough energy to close that last three laps. So I just went as fast as I could. And um, and that's how I got first for um, both those events. But overall as a team, I thought both teams did very well. We just got back from um, – we had a training trip like the last week uh, or the – third week of December in um, Deerfield Beach, we where we had a lot of hard training. Then we had a break, and then we had a training camp before school started. So I think all that hard work we put into this meet, and we beat Middlebury by, like, a large margin. It was, like, 200 or something to 70. That was a crazy, crazy score, yeah. Certainly, and then this weekend, Colby and Bowden, right? I mean, those are obviously big rivals um, in every sport, but yeah. what, what does it mean in the swimming uh, context, I guess, that rivalry? 
So obviously, Colby and Bowden are our biggest rivals because they're both the the main schools of the CBB. I believe we have Bowden uh, Friday, Colby Saturday, or vice versa. Um, I f- I don't remember which we have each day, but honestly, it doesn't matter. We honestly go in there to swim and beat um, whoever's in the water with us. We really hope to be Colby this year. Their team has gotten pretty strong over the last few years, but um, our team is just as um, um, the depth of our team is just as good, and we really think we can beat them. And uh, Bowden, we believe we can beat easily. Well, I, I know these two teams. You already saw them in the main state meet in December, right? Yeah. But um, things yes. have changed now, right, with the train trip and everything. That changes yes. I, the whole dynamic, I imagine, right? Yeah, we beat. Um, See, Bowden and Colby before that meet um, kind of rested their swimmers. Mm-hmm. We did not rest our swimmers, and we still beat them in most of their races too. Mm-hmm. So that was also very, that was also very interesting, and it really shows how strong our team is as a whole. So what's your approach this week preparing for these back-to-back meets here? Basically, what we want to do is we ha- we want to have those um, strong relays. We want to make yeah. sure we do good on those relays because those get a lot of points. And individually, we want to uh, focus on our um, – well, personally, I want to focus on my – I'm swimming the two free and five free. Mm. So I just want to focus on uh, keeping a strong pace throughout the race, um, making sure, especially for the 500, not to – um, for each 50, not to go over 30 or 31 seconds, try to keep it around like 30, 29. And I think that those times will help me beat, um, um, help me beat the Bowden or Colby Spurs. You know, it's interesting. Like swimming, I feel like obviously it takes great physical strength. Yes. But when you're talking about this, you have to also be mentally like, you have to have a great internal clock, it seems right. We honestly go really in depth into like the stroke count and yeah. the tempo of the stroke because that really helps at the end of the day. When we get to NESCAX, obviously we just, you know, we, we just go fast. We just think about, you know, you just want to go as fast as you can. But before that, we want to keep in the back of our head, we want to teach ourselves to keep in the back of our head our, you know, stroke counts and our tempo because we, we don't want to go flailing across the pool because that doesn't get you. That doesn't really get you anywhere. You want to make sure you catch water. You want to kick fast. Uh, you want to have good turns, good starts, good finishes. Certainly. Well, you're a sophomore now, but take us back when you were looking for colleges. What made Bates the place for you coming up from New Jersey? So I looked at a few colleges in my area, such as uh, TCNJ and Gettysburg, and then I looked up here in the NESCAC uh, schools, like here in Colby. And honestly, this was the only school that I like visited that really like surprised me of what it offered, mm-hmm. and it honest, I this was probably the only school I actually saw myself in. Mm-hmm. Like when I came here, I'm like, wow, I could actually like be here. Like this is the kind of school for me. What what aspects of it really stood out? You thought? Um, when I the tour guide was really helpful in um, telling me. I think the tour. I don't remember exactly, but I think his name. <laughs> but I think he was a chem major, and mm-hmm. he really thought it was um, a great program here. I'm playing a major in chem- chemistry, so it was a great program, good geology program too. So I, I really like geology too. Um, they also, um, uh, I also like really like the swimming program. I also like the atmosphere in general mm-hmm. and the facilities uh, Bates offered. Um, also, <laughs> they have good food too. I yes, love the food. that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, and also the opportunities. Um, especially like a broad opportunity offered and other um, like research as well. Excellent. So, so since arriving here, how has Coach Casares and, and the training program here um, helped you improve as a swimmer maybe compared to what you were doing in high school? So high school swimming and club swimming, which I did hand-in-hand in, hand in, um, uh, when, when I was back in New Jersey, was um, very different training from in college. I feel like the transition was a bit um, – it wasn't hard, but it was a bit awkward because like um, – I feel like what it did in club was a bit different, but it didn't really affect how like fast or slow. I, I mean, it, the college um, swimming definitely affected how fast I was going. It definitely mm-hmm. got better. Um, but um, I think Coach Casares um, does a fantastic job with the program, um, uh, especially with um, every aspect in and out of the pool, like lifting. Um, he um, he ha- he writes fantastic sets, which really helped me uh, pace work. And other um, also helps with technique, fixing up old things too. 
Well, any other thoughts on you know what goals you have maybe going forward uh, this season? Obviously, there's the swimming season is interesting because there's really only a few more meets until NESCACs, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we have two two meets. Um, actually, this is probably the last week of um, like dual meets because mm-hmm. then we have WPI, which is like um, a few teams go to that, but it's more like a practice taper for NESCACs. Yeah, um, basically, basically just like testing out races be like is this what you're gonna do is this what you're gonna score in and then nescax is february uh it's the third week of um february which is the 20th i believe just trying to final at nescax in Mm. my events pretty much um top 24 that's the um that's how you final because there's a b and c finals you want to be top 24 Mm. last year i was just really close i was thinking i was like 25th for one event 27th i just missed it by a bit um and i and for the the race that twenty fifth was that wasn't even my best time. Mm. It's just you know, an unfortunate race where I was a bit like a mil, um, half a second off. So, but I feel like I know what I'm doing this year. I don't think um, like I I think for this year I can close out my races much better than I did last year. So I think I'll be um, fine when it comes to NESCACs. I think uh, I have a good chance of finaling. And then for um. Uh, relays, honestly, relays are my favorite part of swimming, to be honest, because I just love, um, just having, like, all your friends on a relay, and then just going as fast as you can, it just honestly just gives you that extra boost, like, um, you know, your friends are behind the block cheering for you, and you just go as fast as you can, um, it's just really exciting, and I'm definitely gonna miss that, um, once I stop swimming, and, you know, after senior year, obviously. All right. Well, Kyle Jorgensen, Mail Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcat. Appreciate it. Three pool records fell on Sunday, with first-year Gabby Smart breaking the 400-yard individual medley record. The men's 200-yard freestyle relay team set a new mark as well, and the women's 200-yard medley relay of sophomore Isabel Mohamdi Hall, first-year Abigail Gibbons, junior Caroline Apathy, and first-year Megan Striner opened the meet by breaking the facility record in a time of 1 minute, 48.91 seconds. Well, we'll start with you, Izzy. I understand you, you woke up the, the morning of the meet with uh, quite the fever, but you were still able to help this team set a pool record in the, in the 200 medley. How are you able to get up to and go to the meet and have such success? Um, I mean, when, right when I woke up, I knew that, like, no matter what, I wanted to swim and, like, be there for the team and be with my teammates. And so um, I talked to Coach, took some Advil, and was able to pull it out. But, um, yeah, it was really fun to be able to swim that event. <laughs> Abigail, you know, as a first year, how cool is it to be part of, you know, a record-breaking team like this? It's definitely crazy to be part of this team. Um, I didn't really think we would be able to do it in, <laughs> I don't know, coming back from, like, training camp and everything. But it's really cool to be part of it. And Caroline, um, going over to you here, you were in Australia this fall. How, how, tell me about that experience and what's it like now returning to competitive swimming after that time away? Um, it was super fun. It was an awesome experience, and I'm really happy to be back, and it's really fun swimming and meeting all the new freshmen, and it feels good to be back. What was Australia like for you? Um, it was awesome. It you know meeting new people and everyone's super kind over there. Um, nice weather, kind of pretty bad over there right now though with the fires. Right. Yeah, so um, it's kind of sad to watch um, and not being <coughs> over there at all. But super glad I did it. Certainly, and then um, I understand, Megan, that you didn't even know that the, the team had set a record until later. You thought they'd been disqualified? <laughs> Tell me about that. Well, um, it was really loud at the meet, so I heard an <laughs> announcement, but I, like, didn't hear the announcement itself. And I heard cheering, so I thought that maybe it was the other team cheering <laughs> that we had been disqualified. But, yeah, I found out in the warm-down pool that we set the record by some other teammates, and it was really exciting to find that out. <laughs> What's it like to anchor a relay to be, you know, the last swimmer there? Um, it's kind of stressful, but it's really fun if you're, I guess, ahead. Um, it's, like, always good to have, like, a race going on because it's just more entertaining for, like, the swimmer and other people to watch. But it can be stressful. And then, Izzy, I mean, we talked about how the women's team set a record. Uh, a men's relay also set a record. And then Gabby, uh, a first year, set a record as well individually. So and it's kind of early in the season, so that's a pretty good sign, isn't it? Yeah, I mean – like last year at Bates we didn't set any pool records either and I think like one of the juniors was saying like the year before that we had it and so it just proves that like this team is really fast right now and we're gonna kill it at NESCACs and nationals and it's just super exciting to be able to like set these records right now. Well speaking of that you got to go to nationals last year as a first year um tell me about that experience. 
It was so fun. I mean, I was only on one relay, but we went for the whole week and just watching all these fast swimmers and like even being able to be a part of it was just so awesome. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll have, we'll set a great, like good group of girls this year too. And it'll be awesome. (laughs) Abigail, what are you hearing about the experience of, you know, NESCACs coming up? Because obviously this will be your first NESCAC. Um, Yeah, I hear it's a lot of fun. I'm really nervous though, just because I haven't swam against a lot of the teams that will be there. But I think we'll, we're going to compete really well, and I can't wait to compete against everyone. Caroline, any tips that you share with uh, some of the underclassmen about? Because you've done, you've done this a few years about you know conferences and uh, NESCAX and whatnot. I mean, it can be super overwhelming for a few days, I guess. So, you know, it's super exciting on the first day. Everyone's cheering really loud. Everyone's in a good mood and dancing. It's never a bad time to be at NESCACs, really. Um, if you have one bad race, it just blows over because you have the next one coming up, so, yeah. And Megan, this weekend coming up, Colby and, and Bowden, um, you know, these are rivals, as, as we all know, and you saw them earlier in the main state meet. What's it like going up against these two schools? Um, I know that we have kind of a big rivalry, and it's like we really want to take them and possibly beat both of them I feel like we definitely can we're a very strong team right now and hopefully it's a good setup for NESCACs going in and hope that the team places top three I think it is that we want to do mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> oh at, at, at NESCACs at we want to place top three oh. right, right, yeah right, right. Uh, but well, right now it'd be good to beat both of them <laughs> yeah. the dual meets I mean it, it's great to win them but in the end NESCACs it doesn't matter NESCACs is what all about right yeah, like last year we lost to Bowdoin in the dual meet, but then we beat them at Maine State and NESCAC. So, I mean, it really could go either way, but um, hopefully we'll beat them both this weekend. Yeah. Not quite as fast as the relay you, you all swam, but the interview wrapping up here. Thank you so much for joining yeah. us here on the Bobcast. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so yeah. much for having us. Senior Captain Lutza Polgar was named the NESCAC Women's Squash Player of the Week after she went 3-0 and over the weekend at the number one position for Bates. The Bobcats as a team went 2-1 and one over the weekend, moving their record to 5-2. and two. Polgar's personal record is at 6-1, and one, and Friday's win over a very tough opponent from Mount Holyoke meant the most to the Bobcats' top player. So she happens to be one of the three players that I lost to um, last year, so it was quite an emotional match for me from the very beginning. Even leading up to it, uh, as I was preparing for the match, I had the... I had our match last year uh, on my mind. Um, last year, I lost to her in really close three games. Um, I believe the last game was 12-10. So this year, I I really, really wanted to win and wanted to use a court adva- uh, home court advantage. So I ended up, you know, preparing really well, having a really good, really good um, game plan. Coach Rye was helping me with everything that he could could have, could have possibly helped me with. So I was just really happy with that win, yes. Well, you touched on Coach Rye. I mean, he, he's finally gotten the chance to finish, spend a few weeks with the team. What's, what's he been like? What's his transition been like with him as a new head coach now? He's been great. I don't have anything bad to say about him. He's been really doing um, the best job. I'm so satisfied with him as a coach. He's been helping every single person on the team. He's been... Um, putting together great practices even this like uh even this week leading up to our Mount Holyoke match was uh we had to come back early for um to to have two practices a day and that was tough but but it was it was really necessary and he helps he helps with every he helps everyone uh with everything so is uh his wife Andy I I can't say enough good things about them Excellent. And the women's team in general, I noticed um, you being a senior captain, but I noticed the first year Erica Parker has risen to the the number two spot. So have you been playing her a bit in practice? And what's it like seeing some of these younger athletes already making big contributions? Yes, I've been on court with her since the first years arrived on campus. Mm -hmm. Um, In the fall, I've I've had really high hopes for her. And, um, you know, she, she hasn't been playing two up until this point, but I... I knew she had the potential to be number two, so I'm I'm really happy she rose up to it. I'm 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 really excited to see what every single one of the first years do in the future. Yes. As as the captain, do you do you share any things that you've learned over your time at Bates? Um, and is there anything that's kind of universal, or or each individual first year you have to like talk to a little bit differently, perhaps? 
I'm trying to I'm trying to share as much as I can. Obviously, squash is an individual sport, and everyone needs indi- individual things. But um, I think my my responsibility is is to is to have the team as a whole function really well. And for that, um, for that, I do I do give them advice, and then. For individual things, um, if they come to me, I'm more than happy to help them. Yes. Now, one interesting thing is, I mean, you play. Uh, we touched on the, you played on the Mount Holyoke opponent there on the glass court, but sometimes you know you're on the showcase court or so, and those are different court. Like they, the ball plays differently. It has to, right? Yes, very, very differently. The glass court is a very, very fast court. So, um, and not many, not many schools have glass courts. Right. So uh, that's always a little bit of an advantage for us, even though everyone. Mostly everyone here and there plays on glass courts, but um, for us to be able to practice on that court and then have matches on that, that's a, that's a huge advantage that we that we have to use every time we play on that uh, court. Um, and the other courts tend to be much, much slower. Mm. They're particularly slow courts. So um, it's kind of tough to transition, especially when we... Um, so this weekend we had a match against uh, Williams and then Con College, right? Right. So against Williams we played on the glass court, and against Con College yeah. we played on the showcase court. So that was a big transition, you know, within the same day, and that's that's really really tough to do. And I know that some of us had a little bit of a rough time transitioning, mm. but. You know, it's just something that we all get, have to get used to. Well, and, and the glass court just almost feels like it's, you, you know, everyone can see you and you can see everyone, right? I mean, it's it, it's kind of, I feel like the other courts are more like self-contained, right? Right. Uh, and I particularly enjoy that. Right, yeah. Um, some some people don't. I, I do enjoy that everyone, you know, it feels like everyone's watching me. I, right. I feel like I personally perform better mm. when I know people are watching me. Do you have any goals kind of your in your mind going forward this season, sort of? I mean, it's funny how, like, you get so many matches done and, like, you got three matches done in two days, right? And so, but you right. still have, you have more ahead, right? I mean, what are some goals in your mind? I mean, in my mind, um, every year the team's goal is to be in a B flight mm-hmm. and to perform well in the B flight. And I think this team has the potential for it, uh, obviously. And um, my individual goal is... And it has been every year um, since I'm at Bates to be All-American. Right. So for me, that would mean from now on, my goal is not to lose a single match um, until until I graduate, yeah. I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and for those who don't know, there's a couple different ways you could be an All-American. One, you could yes. be chosen for the a f- the, the top flight there at individual nationals, which I which you have to be the rankings have to play out in your favor. Yes. But the other way is to just win your way through the other division, right? Right. So, yeah. so the top 16 is uh, A-team All-American. Yeah. Uh, and then there's four flights yeah. um, for the B team, and the winners of those four flights are also, they're the B team All-Americans. So there's 20 All-Americans total right. every year. So if I don't get the top 16, I could I can get into uh, one of those four flights and then win my flight and uh, be an All-American, yes. Do you follow the rankings very much? I mean, do you track no. that or do you just focus on the team right at the moment? No, I yeah. never... I don't like to stress myself no. out about <laughs> right. uh, those things. So yeah. I never I never really check the rankings of my opponents. Like, I never really check mm. um, the rankings of other teams. I I like to just show up because it, for me, doesn't really matter who who we play uh i i always say just we have to we have to just do our best at any given time and it doesn't really matter who's the other person on on the court next to us what are your thoughts on the season so far and what it means to you to be you know the conference's player of the week after this past weekend i'm really happy that um how we've been performing um up until now and i'm hoping that it's gonna be it's gonna be um, the same rewarding uh, in the future. I'm really, I'm really proud of the team. I think everyone is doing the best they can. Everyone's, everyone's working hard. Everyone is. Uh, whenever I see one of my teammates play, because we don't always get to right. watch each other, uh, obviously. But whenever I, whenever I get to watch someone play, I can always just, 
you know, see everyone trying hard and and um, and being there for each other, which is which is super super nice to see. And being NASCAR Player of the Week this uh, this week is is really special to me because it yeah I have I have been NASCAR Player of the Week before, but this is an especially special one for me because of the wins that I had this weekend and and. Yes, the Manholy Oak win was a really, really big win for me personally. So I'm I'm happy that I also got this award too. Excellent. Luke yeah. Polgar, NASCAR Women's Squash Player of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you. The men's squash team is 3-4 and four on the season after a weekend that saw them lose a couple of very close matches to MIT and Williams before ending on a high note with a victory over Connecticut College. First year, Sultan Hashmi had a couple of matches he won't soon forget. Down 2-0 to his opponent from MIT on Friday, Hashmi rallied to win 3-2. Then he pulled off the very same feat the next day against his opponent from Williams. After a 3-0 weekend, Hashmi has a personal record of 6-1 so far this season. Sultan, my goodness, you're down 2 nothing against an MIT opponent. And the next day you're down 2 nothing against your Williams opponent. Both times you come back and win 3-2. That Connecticut College match must have been a bit of relief, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was it like, you know, having to rally from two games down two days oh, in a row? It was tough. Um, yeah, it was really just a change in my mindset that really um, helped me win those matches. Um, changing game plan as well. Yeah, it was It was brutal. I know the players always you, you work together between games. Mm-hmm. Who was working with you to help you, you know, change that mindset and make the and, and rally? Yeah, so it was uh Peter Koenigsbauer, Benny McCormish, uh Garen Rothenberg and also Ry Hergers, their coach. They really they really helped me pull it together and and get those matches. Were there similarities between the two or the MIT and the Williams or were they like, totally different even? Um they were different styles. Mm-hmm. Um the I remember the Williams match. My opponent, he was, he was a machine. He was getting to every ball, um, and I had trouble playing that style. Um, I remember I was, I was rushing a bit in those first two games. I wasn't being patient enough, um, and that was really that was messing me up because um, I wasn't, I wasn't able to be as aggressive as I could have been. I just slowed down, mm-hmm. made sure that I, I was able to hit a drive, um, and. I was also pushing forward more, volleying more. Uh, I was playing a lot more aggressive. The Williams match, were you were you aware how close it was, kind of overall that day? I know it ended up being five four in favor yeah. of them, but it was it was down the wire. Yeah, um, I remember I saw I saw I think it was Pete's match hmm. where he he took it, and then I don't remember who, but they they lost it, but it was it was quite close. And then from there, I just knew that this match was going to be very very close. Yeah, excellent. I, I saw a photo. I forget it was MIT or, or Williams. I think it was the MIT match where you were just exulting at the, at the, at the oh, victory. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what was the what was that like to clinch that oh, first? It one? was it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wasn't sure if I could take that match, but um, yeah, when I took it, it was one of the best feelings I've ever felt. And you've had a really successful start to your career. You've been playing kind of in that yeah. up and a little bit up and down, but at, at the mm-hmm. nine position, it, it, it's nice to be in the starting lineup. But it's also nice to get some wins. Yeah. What have you seen adjustments from high school to college kind of so far? Oh, there's a lot of adjustments, actually. So the biggest thing is that there aren't really any bad players in college squash. Every single person you play, they are going to have strengths. And if you don't, if you do not um, give your 100%, um, you're going to be punished for it. Um, the other thing is that Everyone in college squash is also very fit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's um, in juniors, I I could really outlast a lot of my opponents, but I can't do that in college. In fact, sometimes I feel like my opponents are fitter than me. Mm-hmm. So um, th- yeah, that's the big. That's another one of the biggest things. Well, speaking of that, growing up in California in the Bay Area, how did you first get into the sport? Yeah, so I used to play tennis, um, mm-hmm. uh, but I. I started at a young age, and I, I was playing quite p- competitively, so I got a little burned out. Mm. And um, a buddy of mine actually played squash. And I was like, hey, what the hell? Might as well give this a shot. Yeah. And I played once, and I fell in love with the sport. It was amazing. I, I still remember it. I still remember the racket I used. It was it was amazing. Does your tennis background help in a way, or did you have to kind of relearn some things? Um, Hand-eye coordination-wise, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, also with volleying. Um, I'd say it helped me a lot there and on the forehand but in terms of like 
backhand and, and stroke as well because it's a different stroke. Mm-hmm. So I did have to learn some stuff, yeah. I know squash, you know, it's pretty big on the East Coast here in the United mm-hmm. States, but on the West Coast, I, I mean, I grew up in Seattle. I'd never heard of the sport before I came out here. So mm-hmm. uh, how'd you find people to play against? <laughs> yeah, so I didn't have a whole lot of uh, juniors to play with. Mm-hmm. Luckily, one of my closest friends, um, he played squash, so he was one of my training partners. Um, yeah, so I, I mainly played with adults, though. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was really uh, where my training came from. Um, there was a bunch of pretty solid adults um, in San Francisco, so I got I played with them pretty frequently. Nice. And so what made Bates the place for you to come to college when you're looking for different options? Oh, um, the team, really. Mm. I um, I remember I visited, and I, I fell in love with the team. Yeah, it was it was great. And also the people here. Everyone's relaxed. They're not they're not super competitive with each other. Um, like they want to see each other succeed, and I think that's beautiful. And being from California, were you looking for an East Coast college where you could play squash specifically, or yeah. how did Bates kind of come on your radar? I guess just because you were uh, actually my my coach introduced me to it. Okay, um, he said he he was like, "Yo, look at this this school, um, like they they've got some pretty decent squash, some solid academics. Um, you should check it out." So I I called up the uh, the ex coach. Um, I was emailing with him. Uh, came visited the school. And, yeah, I fell in love with it. So, yeah, as your first year, all of a sudden you got a new head coach, though, right? Mm-hmm. So what's that kind of transition like? I mean, obviously you, you never got to play for Pat, and now you're playing for, for a guy who played at Trinity, which must be an interesting oh, yeah. experience, right? Yeah, it's, inspi- it's inspiring, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we absolutely love Rye. Like, he is, he is a great coach. Um, he, he really, really knows what he's talking about, um, and it's, it's great. Like, we really lucked out with getting him. What are the challenge matches like? Is, is it still? I mean, you mentioned Bates is you almost want to see each other succeed, but you also mm-hmm. want to oh, have yeah. a higher spot in the lineup, right? What's that like competing against your teammates? It's tough, yeah, because um, like they're almost like your 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 family, right? Yeah. And so, like to think like to be that aggressive and be that competitive with your family it's it's tough some home matches midweek i mean oh yeah first week of classes also back from break so how's the academic adjustment been going like balancing between squash and school that that took a and especially also like social socially as well mm. uh meeting new friends and stuff um that took a lot of my time um but yeah it worked out in the end what do you learn from maybe like senior like the seniors like graham for instance from the captain and whatnot Oh, I've I've learned a lot from them. Um, yeah, Graham's been a great captain this year. Um, just really like, people don't win based on skill in in college squash, mm. because everyone is about the same level. Um, what really differentiates a winner from a loser is the attitude, um, like how they go on court, um, and what they're willing to risk to win. Um, that's the biggest thing, and that's quite possibly the most important thing I've learned um, in college squash. The track and field teams opened their respective indoor season Saturday when the Bobcats hosted MIT and Colby at Merrill Gym. Both teams outscored Colby while finishing runner-up to the National Powerhouse Engineers. Junior captain Amanda Kaufman finished first in the 60-meter hurdles and the 200-meter dash to lead the women's team. And sophomore John Mischansky won the 1,000 meters and helped Bates win the 4x800 relay by over 8 seconds. Both athletes are coming off the same injury, but they're back and joining the Bobcast. Both of you are coming off stress fractures last year, and so just give us an idea of kind of the recovery process from that. Amanda, we'll, we'll start with you here. Yeah, so recovery from a stress fracture is a really long, slow journey. It can be kind of lonely. Um, progress can seem very, very slow going, but um, it's definitely when you have to kind of make a decision and you really have to think about, like, why you're doing this, why you started doing this sport, um, and kind of just fight with everything you have to get back out there and get back on the track. Um, I also learned a lot about um, my role on the team when I'm not running, so a lot of like support from the sidelines and all that good stuff. So definitely I've learned a lot from the injury, but I'm very happy to be back running and towards the end of that road to recovery. How about you, John? Similar experience? Uh, I think she she put it ver- uh, pretty well. I mean, it's it's not like an injury where you can, you know, take a couple of weeks off and then come back. It's it's a long. It is definitely a long recovery just because if you come back too early, then well, then you can just injure it again. So you got to be very careful. And plus, I mean, it's a stress fracture. I mean, 
when I had it, like I, I just, it's just a searing pain. You just can't really run. So you kind of have to find alternative ways to work out and, you know, stay in shape. And like she said, you know, keep the motivation, even though you're not really doing what, you know, you want to do, which is, I mean, for me, you know, running distance events, middle distance events. So I was uh, a lot on the bike last year, which, you know, definitely different uh, change of pace for me. A lot of, a lot of hours on the bike, but uh, I got used to it. I, I started to like that and, just kept going and now you know it's great to be back so yeah speaking of that i mean how satisfying was the meet this past weekend back on the track there yeah it was awesome to be back um i think that was kind of my main motive throughout the entire meet was just to kind of be thankful for this moment um and not really put too much pressure on myself um to perform as well as i know i can so i was definitely very very happy with the end result though because it was it was pretty good um i definitely uh, didn't expect to be kind of at the level that i'm at now um coming back from the injury but um yeah i was just really 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 happy to <laughs> be running again and that definitely helped with nerves i remember um standing on the start line of hurdles i was like wow it feels like i never left mm. and it just was like a place of a feeling of belonging and like being back where i I know I should have been, so it was awesome. And then John anchoring that four by eight hundred relay to close the meet and getting the victory—that must have been nice, right? Oh yeah, it was. Uh, it was a great meet. I mean, first meet of the year. I mean, tracks. I mean, I run cross country as well, but definitely yeah. track is my forte and what I love the most. I mean, I mean, it's the first meet, so we weren't we weren't really going for anything crazy, but I mean, it still was. I mean, great, uh, great sign for things to come. I mean, it felt I felt strong through. The team looked great. It was great to run with those guys. I mean, we we won we won by a lot. Mm -hmm. It was, I mean, and, and honestly, we, I mean, we have a lot more to give. So I think yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for uh, things to come in both respects. So Amanda, you touched on you know realizing your role within the team when you couldn't run. You're one of the captains this year. What's that experience been like so far? Yeah, so I'm very very lucky to be a captain this year as a junior. Um, I love this team so much, and I think having the support of all of them and all the coaches when I was going through the injury process and basically I missed all of outdoor season so um, it was a lot of just kind of support from the sidelines support during workouts um, so I'm just really really glad to take on a little bit more of a formal role this season and really do what I can and to make this team as good as I know it can be um, we have a lot of great freshmen a lot of great energy from everyone coming back um, we have a few returners from abroad which is awesome to have everyone back now um, the team kind of really feels complete so I'm really really excited to lead the team forward and keep us going and uh, maybe do a little better at NESCACs this year as a team so well it was great I mean yeah I saw some names there on Saturday I hadn't heard for a while like Paige Rapp for instance yeah. back on the team out that must be nice right you, yeah. you touched on that yeah yeah that's awesome um definitely looking forward to some relays this season mm -hmm. um we're pretty deep in the like 400 mid-distance um events so I'm really really excited to see what um this team can do and if not this year next year it's a really young team which is awesome um and of course our great upperclassmen leaders um our staples too. Yeah. John, you touched on, you know, you run cross country, but track is more your forte. How do you kind of approach the cross country season to prepare you for the track and field season? Uh, well, I mean, uh, really just, I mean, track and field, I mean, it's not exactly a, I would say a skill-based sport. <laughs> I mean, it's just more, run. <laughs> it's more just, you know, you're, you know, pain tolerance, pushing through yeah. stuff. So it's kind of similar with cross country. I mean, just use it as like a training block and just, uh, I mean, I, I don't really have much expectations for cross, but of course, I you know I want to do it the best I can this year. I feel like I definitely improved a lot from last year because last year was actually my first season. I did I had done soccer and all throughout high school, so I was you know my first year doing something you know going from you know max I did one mile in high school, but now uh, you know in cross country it's five miles, so it's a big difference, a uh, big step up. But yeah, I mean not much expectation, but just you know seeing what I can do, and I think this year. Uh, you know, a lot of good results in cross country, and I think hopefully I can carry, you know, that sort of success over into track. And I'm very excited, obviously, because uh, track, as I said, track's my my thing. It's what I love the most. I feel like I'm most competitive in it, and I just love those, you know, middle distance short events, you know, where I can, you know, really just go all out and have some fun. Certainly. Well, touched on that, your background there. How did you decide you wanted to come to Bates uh, for college and were you always focused on, hey, I want to run track when I get to college? Uh, yeah, I definitely wanted to do yeah. some sort of athletics and I had done track in high school. I love track in high school. 
Uh, I love, you know, middle distance events or whatever. Um, it's something I already, I, I, I love competing. So, I mean, I guess I wanted to do track in, in college and definitely, definitely factored in uh, to my decision. Additionally, I just, I mean, I love, love the area around Bates. It's, you know, I didn't really want to go to a big city or anything, but it's nice and, you know, I, I, say, I guess you could say cozy up here uh, <laughs> in Lewis and Maine. You know, awesome facilities, awesome people. So, yeah, it's very nice up here, and that's, you know, ultimately why I, I wanted to come here in the first place. Excellent. How has Coach Farashidian kind of helped you develop as a runner since you've arrived here? Uh, Fresh, is, Fresh is great. I mean, he he really, you know, he's, he has everything planned out. I mean, he's very methodical with his, you know, training strategies or methods, and he's also – but he's also, like, you know, he's a very understanding guy. He, he knows – he understands, you know, the rigors of, you know, running a lot. You know, people are doing anywhere from 50 to 80 miles a week, and he understands, you know, what that takes, and he's very understanding. But he also, you know, pushes you, makes you, you know, you know, work hard. But as I said, everything's very methodical, very planned out. He's, you know, he's got his spreadsheets and everything. Yeah. I mean, he's known for that. But uh, I think it really does help, and I think, I mean, we see we see the results at the end of the day with everyone's however it ends up doing. So. And uh, Amanda, I was talking with Coach Hartshorn. She mentioned how, obviously, last year you were, you were a multi-event athlete, literally like doing the, mm-hmm. the multis. Um, but this year maybe focus more on just certain events just because you are coming off that injury. What's that like for you to know this year kind of a different approach, maybe a little bit less stressful perhaps because mm-hmm. there's fewer events for you to worry about? I've still only been doing like um, not all of our workouts. I am all uh, haven't exactly started to finish them, um, but – the road to recovery goes on and um, definitely towards the end, but I'm really looking forward to get more on the track this season. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I liked the field events. I don't really know. I was pretty neutral to them, but um, mm. I think at States last year when I ran my first ever collegiate 200, um, that was kind of when I realized um, that I loved to run too. And I realized you could do things without like obstacles or have to like do techniques. So I'm really excited to do more track events and more relays um, and get hundred percent healthy. Last year, being on that distance medley relay team in indoor, they got second in the country, best finish ever. <laughs> then they step up to national title, right? I mean, we'll see. Yeah. Um, we have a really promising uh, middle distance group. Like I said, mm-hmm. um, a lot of great freshmen and I'm just so excited to see where this team goes. And of course the goal is always to get back to nationals and see, see what we can put together. Excellent. Well, John, your thoughts on um, the, the, the start to the year and what some goals you have in your mind going forward here? Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, this year, I think ultimately I want to, I mean, number one is stay healthy. Obviously yeah. not get injured again. That would be the first goal, make it to the end of the season and keep going. But I also, yeah, I'd like to, you know, put up some good performances in the uh, the 1,000, the mile, the 800. Those are like my main events. So I think I mean, obviously, I already got the qualifier for D3 New England's, but I mean, I'd like, I mean, this is kind of a reach goal, but I'd definitely like to, you know, see if I could, you know, try to, you know, compete for a, you know, a Nationals bid and maybe an open event like the Mile or the 800. Uh, you know, team-wise, uh, we have a lot, we have, we have, we're so deep, uh, similar to the girls in the mid middle distance area that I think we could put together a really good uh, distance medley relay team and we just have so many guys that are so motivated. I think that's you know definitely a possibility that we could you know send a team to nationals. I mean it's going to be difficult, but I think it's definitely a possibility. And uh, and I'd, I'd like to, I'd like for it you know to go with a group of guys. But also yeah, as, as I mentioned, I'd also like you know individually to compete for a bid. Um, as I said, an event like the uh, 800 or mile, even if even if that's a reach, I definitely that's uh, still a goal I'd like to you know pursue. The carnival seasons begin this weekend for the Bates Alpine and Nordic skiing teams. For the Nordic teams, senior captain Kalen Woods headlines a group that looks to move up the rankings in the very competitive Eastern Intercollegiate Ski Association. Head coach Becky Woods enters her 26th year at the helm of the program. I'm really excited to see what our team can do this weekend. We have a a young group. We have eight first years that came in, and they really infused a great energy to the program that we were looking for. And uh, so I'm really excited to see where we go. You know, we have great leadership in our captains, Kaylin Woods and Carter Ross, and they've done a great job throughout the fall and into the winter to really direct the team. So I, I think good things are coming. And you touched on the first years. A lot of them competed at junior nationals, right? Why is for those who don't know, why is that a big deal? 
I, I think it's just a, a stage in terms of competition that gets you up to the next level. It's a great in between from high school skiing to collegiate skiing. It's just that next level. It's they're they're competing with the best juniors in the country, and the majority of our first year class competed at the junior nationals last year. And then the races you do before the carnival season, like up in Canada and whatnot, what are those like? Well, up in Canada, it's really a a training camp that Mm -hmm. we do. We're trying to get a lot of time on snow and... Uh, any racing that we do is, is, you know, kind of a time trial based mm-hmm. race. So really just trying to work out the kinks to, you know, we like to leave training camp with the knowledge of what we still need to work on. And we know that we have time to do that before the carnival season hits. So for training purposes, obviously the Bates Carnival is hosted at Black Mountain, but uh, you, you train at Pineland Farms because obviously it's a little bit closer and, and what are those conditions been like so far? Well, up until yesterday, the conditions were amazing, uh, and they really have a, a fantastic trail system for us. We're really fortunate to be able to utilize that as our training facility. Uh, and if we have a tough couple of weeks um, of snow, which is what we're looking at right now, um, you know, we might find ourselves traveling to Quarry Road or to um, the Bethel area to try to find some snow and. Um, really, we're going to have to go where there's man-made um, capabilities, you know, man-made snow. And um, at, at last resort, and uh, someone who's been really, really uh, supportive of us is Lost Valley. So if worse comes to worse, we're able to scoot over there five minutes away and ski on the base of the mountain, maybe take one of the further trails and do some intervals up the side of that. So um, we're really fortunate to have that close to us and to have the support of that community um you know area and there's all sorts of ways to train for nordic skiing i always find that you know interesting whether it be some of your um, skiers obviously compete on the cross-country teams in the fall and and i know i see them skating around town when there's no snow at all right how does that kind of work (laughs) yeah we do a host of different uh you know kinds of training the majority of our training is done on roller skis like you were saying it looks like they're skiing but um, on the roads. Um, so 50% of our training is on roller skis, both skate and classic. And then the rest of it is filled in with on foot training, you know, running, hiking, uh, and certainly, um, you know, strength in the weight room and on ski ergs. Your daughter, Kaylin Woods, now a senior. Can you believe it? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't blink, everybody. It goes quick. Um, but yeah, really proud of where she is right now and excited to see her through her senior year she's gotten to compete at, at nationals these past couple seasons what has that experience been like uh, uh for you and, and for her perhaps as well it's really a proud moment when any one of your athletes makes it to that level and so i've been thrilled for her to have those experiences i think it um she certainly earned them but it you know it took a lot of hard work and i'm really proud of her for that and we're hoping that she can bring the next uh you know, the next generation of skiers that are here right now up to that stage with her. Speaking of kind of the generations of skiers at Bates, uh, an alum is making news, right? Hallie Grossman competing in the biathlon, the World Cup in Germany for the U.S. national team. I I believe she's the second alum ever to do that. So what's this experience been like for you uh, seeing what what she's accomplished? Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, if you know Hallie, you know how hard she's worked. Um, You know, she was a standout athlete here and with a work ethic like no one I've ever known. And so to see her hard work and her dedication really come together and to be given the opportunity to ski on the world stage, um, yeah, I mean, it will bring tears to your eyes if you know her and if you've worked with her. So we are uh, we can't wait to follow her. Good luck, Hals. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And then um, the Harvard Carnival coming up, I understand it's a different location than it was supposed to be, right? Tell us a little bit about where, where you're going to be competing this weekend. Yeah, we're, uh, we'll be competing at the Craftsbury Outdoor Center, basically the backup for everybody in New England, uh, typically when we have a rough snow mm. start, which is what we just uh, – went through over the weekend. So the races were supposed to be at the Dublin School. They worked really hard. We're um, thankful for all their effort to try to put the races on, but Mother Nature decided she would take charge, and so we're headed up to Crassberry for the weekend. 
I feel like um, of everyone who lives in New England, the skiing teams are the only ones who root for it to be tons of snow, right? <laughs> we sure do. Yeah. I mean, it just is so much easier. And, and winter is just so much more enjoyable when it's white and bright and uh, and we can get on snow. So, yes, we're, we're, we're cheering for snow. Looking at the men's team, Carter Ross was a captain last year as a sophomore. Uh, we talked about how young they are. What leadership qualities does he bring to the table that makes him you know, fit to be the captain yet again this year as a junior? Carter has the ability to be, um, you know, a leader by example, and he's incredibly responsible. One of the things about Carter, I think, that got him in this position in the first place is that he was always the first one to help. And also, he didn't even really have to ask. He just knew what needed to be done, you know. And I think that is true in, you know, all of the facets of, you know, his leadership style and the team really respects him and they look up to him a lot. So I'm excited to see, uh, you know, where he has the ability to bring this team. Nordic skiing and Alpine skiing team up in the carnival sort of, right? You add up all the points from the men's and women's teams for both Alpine and Nordic to get the final standings. What's that dynamic like? Because Alpine, obviously, I'm sure they don't get a chance to watch them very much, if at all. And so what's it like to kind of track their results also? Yeah, I think it brings a great element to the whole weekend. You know, I mean, we find ourselves in the vans on the way home checking the results. And, uh, you know, one of the things that Michaela and I have tried to do um, since she returned to coach is really bring the team together in different ways. You know, when I think when we both were on the team as uh, skiers here at Bates, we were pretty close with our Alpine mm-hmm. counterparts, and we really wanted to bring that back. So, uh, you know, I think they do understand that, you know, it's all four disciplines that really make the weekend. And, um, you know, and, and I think they learn from one another and really, really support one another in that front. Are there any maybe under-the-radar Nordic skiers who you're looking for kind of breakout seasons this year in terms of showing a lot of potential last season, perhaps? Um, for for people who I think had some really good months of training uh, over the course of the summer and fall, I um, would like to see Tucker Pierce. Uh, I think he's going to have a little bit of a breakthrough year. He's been skiing great so far in time trials. Olivia Skilling, same thing. Mm. Um you know, Tucker Barber, I think, also feels like he's got a lot more strength coming into the season. And as a runner, that's um, super helpful. Uh, and then we have a host of first years that I think on any given weekend, um, you know, will really, uh, they could spark things right up, you know. So I'm really excited to see what happens uh, as we head into the Harvard Carnival. Head coach Michaela Holland enters her fourth year leading the Alpine skiing teams at Bates. The Bobcats will be without top returning skier Griffin Mueller this year due to injury, but Hannah West, Michael Cooper, and the rest of the Bobcats are ready to roll. Coach Holland joined the Bobcast on the phone from Sunday River to preview this season. Michaela, I hate to start with kind of bad news, but Griffin uh, Mueller out for the year um, with an injury uh, for the women's team. How? I mean, that obviously impacts everyone up and down the, the lineup, I imagine. What, what are some thoughts early of, you know, obviously Hannah West will have a big role and Emma Femfer is one of the captains, but how, how does the team adjust to losing such a, a talented skier like Griffin? Yeah, you know, it's tough say um griffin certainly is an amazing skier and one of our captains definitely a huge presence on the team um but i just you know griffin's with us in spirit and she's already on a road to recovery and i'm really hopeful that this will just give the rest of the women's team a, a chance to step up and kind of define some of their leadership roles we we still have um a captain emma finfer she's still around um hannah west annabelle mahone those are other sort of more senior leaders on the team um, that are still present. Certainly. Well, you touched on Emma Femfer. Well, she missed last season due to injury, and she's coming back along with the, along with a few others, right? There's a lot of skiers who are kind of ready to go after a, a year away, if you will, I guess, right? Yeah, we, um, we have Emma back. We actually were down four of our ladies last year with season-ending injuries, um, which was, was, was a huge bummer for our women's team last year. Um, but they all worked really, really hard this summer to get strong and come back. And, you know, all of them are skiing faster than ever. So sometimes injuries are a blessing in disguise. Um, and we're hoping that was the case for Emma and some of our other uh, younger athletes that were out for injuries, unfortunately, last year. So what made Emma a great choice to be one of the captains this season? What makes her such a strong leader? 
Yeah, so Emma is, you know, she's a workhorse. She shows up every day. She gets every, she gets done what she needs to get done. I think she really motivates others on the team to, you know, kind of step it up and, and make the most of every, of every day and of every training session. Um, and we definitely miss not having her around last year. So we were really psyched when she got back on campus this fall. Um, you, could, you could definitely notice a, a stronger sort of community presence on the women's team, um, which I think her and Griffin definitely do a really nice job at creating. Hannah West, one of your top attorneys on the women's side, you know, ranking 21st in the giant slalom last year in the EISA and 34th in the slalom. And she's come close, right, to qualifying for nationals. What's the next step maybe for Hannah? Yeah, Hannah's been just just the first one out the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, her skiing is really fast right now. She's really, really close. Um, I think the big thing for Hannah is to just kind of keep her mental game strong as the carnival season goes on. Um, our, our ski season is very long, but carnival season is actually very just a short snap, snapshot of the whole season. Right. And it's kind of the main, the main bread and butter of our year, I guess you could say. So I think the main thing for Hannah is she's skiing really fast right now, and she's had some awesome early season results in this races. So the big thing for her is to just kind of keep her mental game strong. She's a really hard worker. She shows up every day. Um, she puts in her all. So I think just, you know, taking every day as it comes and focusing on small victories and kind of building towards that, that, big, that big NCAA goal. And then on the men's side, you know, speaking of, you know, NCAA goals, you know, Michael Cooper's had quite the journey here, I think, at Bates, coming back now for a fifth season, his third year as one of the captains, obviously missed 2018 there with an injury, but came back last year and also kind of narrowly missed out on nationals after making it in 2017. What have you seen from him, you know, you know, in these races before the carnival season? And what do you expect to see, you know, throughout the January and February here? Yeah, great question. So it's great to have Coop back. He wasn't around in the fall. Um, he was working down in Boston. Um, hmm. So it's really, really nice to have him back um he has only been with us for a little over a week um just because he kind of was off doing some other things during the fall but the boys are psyched that he's back i'm psyched that he's back um he's skiing really fast he definitely hasn't had the same volume of training that everyone else has had but i think moving into carnival season you know he's scrambling to get every day that he can and um he as you said he narrowly missed it last year um and i think you know in his fifth year, he kind of changed his whole life around to come back and do this. So he's got his eye on the prize and, you know, certainly hungry for that NCAA qualification. And then the other captain, Ryan Clermont, tell us about him, class of 2020, and what makes him, um, you know, captain material, if you will. Yeah, Ryan's an awesome kid. Ryan's been on the team here for four years. Um, he shows up every day with a smile on his face. He treats everybody with kindness and respect. Um, he brings a little bit of humor to every day that I think makes everybody, you know, keeps things light at time, times. Um, but, you know, Claremont has been just an exemplary Bobcat since the first day that he showed up his, fresh, his first year. Um, and, yeah, definitely moving into this leadership role was, was pretty easy for him. He's, he's a natural leader. Um, and have, he, he was the only male captain that was on campus this fall. So um, he, he had a lot of work to do, but he did an awesome job. And our, our men's team overall is stronger than ever. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Ari Van Vuren, who had a nice uh, debut season last year, you know, pretty balanced in the slalom and the giant slalom. He's, he's obviously one of the uh, guys who I, I imagine you're expecting to have a nice season this year. Who, who else do you look to see step up kind of and, you know, score some points? Yeah, so our boys' team is really, really tight right now, um, mm. both in slalom and GS. We've got, uh, you know, Almost all of them are, are pretty much right in there um, fighting for those six spots. So um, they keep telling me that they don't wish my job upon them um, in choosing <laughs> the carnival team. So, yeah, it, it's pretty exciting. I mean, we've had, we've had nine, nine male, male athletes with pretty much very similar interchangeable results um, so far this year, meaning that they're all skiing really fast and pushing each other, and I think – being a part of a team that, you know, there's such a deep cohort of your peers all skiing fast and working hard together has really just raised the bar. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what, what kind of things they can do this year. Um, I think it's going to be a great year for, for both teams. Each team has one first year. Tell us about um, Grace on the women's side and Crawford on the men's side. Yeah, so we didn't graduate anyone last year. Um, so 
We have a small first-year class, uh, Grace Shearwagon. Um, she's on fire and psalm right now. Um, her GS is coming along nicely. And then we have Crawford Jones from Killington, um, and he's also skiing really fast in both events right now. He's, you know, right in there um, as one of the top contenders. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to the addition of both of them. They've, they've been – you know, both on the slopes and off the slopes, just a pleasure to have and really psyched that they're wearing the Bobcat suit this year. You know, from a coaching perspective, you touched on, you know, the two events, GS and Slalom. Um, some, some skiers are better at one, some are better at others, some are more balanced. From a coaching perspective, how do you kind of balance your efforts uh, to work with each individual on, you know, what events, uh, which event they, they need to focus on more? Because I imagine it's quite the balancing act, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is, um, Aaron, especially with, you know, tra- training, getting the time on snow in each event can also be challenging. Um, the weather can be a really large hindrance for giant slalom training if it's if there's any sort of snow or precipitation it can make training really difficult Mm. um so you know just really staying balanced trying to constantly be you know fighting to make sure that we're getting equal training in both events and that you know every athlete is also able to train in each event um which can be challenging because they all you know we have three sessions a day for training but they all can't be there um, every day, so just trying to find that balance is always is, is always our biggest challenge, probably. But you know, as a team, we put we put focus on both events. We certainly don't want to be a one event team, um, and it takes it takes strength in both of events to be good at carnivals. So um, even if an athlete is stronger in one event, we really push them to keep their training up in both events and keep their starts up in both events because essentially at the end of the day when, when I'm choosing the carnival team, it really is looking at the big picture and, and figuring out who's going who's gonna to be the most complete skier and those are the top six that I would usually take to a carnival. Excellent. Well, tell us about the Harvard Carnival coming up this weekend there in Waterville Valley, New Hampshire. Yeah, Harvard Carnival. It's actually really exciting. It's Harvard's first carnival um, so we changed up the schedule this year to allow other teams to be a little more inclusive with hosting opportunities, um, which is really exciting for Harvard. Um, me and the ladies were actually at um, Waterville last weekend at a fist race, and we had a lot of success. Um, it was great for the ladies to get out on the hill. Um, the whole women's team was able to come out to that race, which was, which was awesome. Um, the surface was you know, they, they definitely lost a little bit of snow with the rain, so we'll see how this mm-hmm. weekend plays out. But I know the mountain's really committed to – the mountain and um, Harvard are both really committed to putting on a good event and kicking off carnival season with a bang. So we're excited. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll recap the first weekend of 2020 that will feature every winter sports team in action. Find the complete schedule of events at GoBatesBobcats.com. And tune in next week to the Bates Bobcast. Bates, 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 Bates.